0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Very interesting shit tonight. Anyway, anyone know we haven't been here, I haven't been here probably in a month, maybe yeah. more. Mysterious. What? Three weeks, Mitzvah Shem, we hope not to miss Pesach, just, just Pesach, whatever it is, Mitzvah Shem. Mm-hmm. So, I'm very, very excited, I want to open up with that, Mitzvah uh, Hashem, we are <coughs> halfway through the new book, A Lesson a Day in Kibbutz of Aim. Which you guys are all going to get, Mitzvah Shem, and you're going to start honoring the parents the way you're supposed to, because you have no idea Because this Kibbutz A'im is not, is not normal. There's the stuff in here that nobody knows, nobody knows. I believe that, I believe, but there's stuff that you think is good, you, you, you not only even agree with your parents, peer, your parents say, you know, the, the, the what's it called, it's, it's going to be really nice tomorrow, the weather? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I heard that's also, yeah, I heard about that, yeah, yeah, that's not, you're on Kibbutz A'im, because... If you have, if you agree with them, you're showing that you're on the same level. Whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. But anyway, so, mitzvah shem, we just started. Um, anyone who wants to dedicate a page, um, not yet. Right after Pesach, we'll open up to that. It's going to be five hundred dollars a page, or what used to be three sixty, but now all the bo- new books are being really more expensive. So, to dedicate five hundred a page. But I believe, in my heart of heart, this is, gonna, this is the biggest. I no, I'll say this, okay, but anyway. It's, it's, Rabbi Gamliel said it's probably the most important say for, for the, for the generation. Cause kivat of aim, nobody knows the halach, no, we, we, don't, we don't learn it in school. You ever go to a class, get marked on your report card, he'll just kivat of aim? No way. Right? Cause if they put it on their report card, you'd have to actually have to show your parents the report card, cause that's kivat of aim, and you don't want to show them your report card, so it we'll would mess you up really badly. So, um, I'm gonna just, re- I wanna read to you just a little bit, so I can make you a little hungry. Um, from the, from the Sefer. Um, and everything has been checked out with G'daylem as far as halachah is concerned. So there's, there's no halakh is here and then it's on the bottom of every page. Who we add, You know, which safer where it comes from. So I just want to want to read you two, two pages, maybe two and a half pages. Then I'll tell you crazy, out of the normal, guys in this room. Out of the normal story that's going to just blow you away. That's going to blow you away because it blew me away. And then I'll read you another story. Anyway, so... I'm full of stories. I haven't been here in three weeks, so hi everybody. It's good to be back. Sorry, I've been gone. I, I've gotten all kinds of emails. Are you alive? Are you sick? Are you? Are, did you go off to derech? One guy said you off to derech. Are you like on a different channel? Are you like on you know CNN now? What's going on? Anyway, Chas v'Shalom. So he says the following story. Um, in the Saydah Hadoris, Sayyidah Hadoris, Rabbi Yeshua Ben Elam had a dream, and then the dream the Malach said to him. Rejoice. Be happy. Why? Because you know who's going to sit next to you in, in Ghana then? No, <laughs> some guy that needs a loan. Needs <laughs> <laughs> fast cash at 49%. At forty-nine, percent At 69%. Right. Because then I have like, to bring the cash me from here. Like in Gehenna, there'll be like a fast, you know. You need money at 49%. You, go to, you have to go to the other side. Not in Ghanaian, they don't have that. You have to no. go. No you have, to, get to, bad, you have to go to the other side you have to go to the other you side a a hundred okay know. I'm not gonna I'm not judging anyone that does you know that, that does whatever <clears throat> um, loan trucking. anyway um, so we don't want to talk about it publicly so yeah so it says the following so he said you know who's gonna be next to you in, in Ghana then nanas the butcher this was a big tzaddik, from Yeshua, and Elon was a big tzaddik. And they're telling him in his dream that, you know who you're going to sit with? You know who you're going to learn with, like in the next world? A butcher. Not to say anything with being a butcher. Butchers are good people, right? But I don't think that's what he was looking for. When Yeshua woke. he said to himself, Ayveh, from the day of my birth I've always been preoccupied with the awe of my Creator. And I learned Tyra. And I didn't walk anywhere without wearing tzitzes and tzillin. I have 80 them. And my partner in my chabusa in Shemayim is this guy, right? This guy is, gonna, is it, right. Not the butcher. So he sent word to his students. He said, "I'm not going back to yeshiva until you find out who this guy is for me. Track him down, man. Tamidim, track him down. I want to know what he's all about." So his Talmidim wasted no time. They went from city to city. Finally, came to the city where the butcher lived. And they asked in the city, "Where is Nanas the butcher?" And they said, "Why, why would you? Why do you need to talk to this butcher?" Um, the Tamidim said, "Because our Rebbe wants to know everything about him." So they sent a the message to Nanas: "Reb Yeshua ben Elam wants to meet you." Nanas replied, "Who am I? And where do I come from that Yeshua sure wants to meet me?" They told him, "Come with us." They grabbed him and they took him to Reb Yeshua he came to Yeshua he said you are the light of Yisrael the light of Klai Yisrael why did you send? What, 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 what's going on? And Yeshua said I need to talk to you and Nanas fell by his feet and he said why has the king come to the servant? he was the butcher he said why, why are you coming to me? Yeshua said there's something I have to know what do you do? what are you busy with? Nana said, my master, I'm a butcher. What do you do? He says, I have an elderly father and mother, and they are not able to care for themselves. Every day I dress them, I feed them, and I bathe each one of them with my own hands. Yeshua, Yeshua immediately stood up and kissed Nana on his head, and he said, my son, you should be a bench. You should be a bench, and what you do, you should be a bench. And how wonderful and how lucky I am, to merit, to be Yochab Rusa in the next world. Why? Because of Kibbutz HaVayim. He bathed his parents. We don't understand that how by Hashem what Kibbutz HaVayim means. Rabbi, Gamliel, my Rabbi says that when a person honors his parents, he is actually, listen to this guy. this is godless. He's actually saying, I am grateful to Hashem who has selected this particular couple to be my father and mother. Surely, if he had chosen them, then they are the ones that my neshama he needs his parents, so I can fulfill a the person in the world. But, when someone does not honor his parents, he's saying, Hashem, you don't know what you're doing. You gave me the wrong parents. There was Rabbi Yisrael, Yaakov Fisher. I knew him in Eretz Yisrael. And he said, so much suffering and aggravation that people suffer in this world is due to the aggravation they caused their parents. And because they did not honor them properly. If people would realize how far-reaching the effects of the mitzvah in, of Kibbutz of Amen are in this world, they would perform it in a most exemplary way. Their way, saving their families from much aggravation and distress. And I've, I, have, um, I have told that story many times. One more thing I want to say, something that my father, Oloch Shalom, um, always spoke about. Oh, interesting. Look at this. Um... He says the following, a Talmud, a Talmud of Rav Shach's father passed away, and Yom Kippur was coming, and he asked, his, he asked Rav Shach, he said, listen, I want to stay in Yeshiva, I want to, in, I guess Rav Shach, where is Rav Shach? Panovich right? So he said, I want to stay in Yeshiva, um, because in Yeshiva they daven, right? But my mother, my father died, so my mother's alone, but she davened in like a shteeble, like, you know, I'm not going to get that, I'm not going to get that Yom Kippur davening. So what should I do? So Rav, Rav Shach replied, Kesh Baruch said, Obey my words, for no person ever listens to me and loses out as a result. So therefore, this is something that I say all the time, Hashem does not punish you for doing the right thing. So if you're doing kibit of for your mother, your feeling is going to go much further than sitting in yeshiva and leaving your mother alone. No one ever loses from doing the right thing. If at this point in time your mother feels that she must have you at home and you will her, then that's the right thing. And I assure you, I assure you, you will not lose out. Okay, boys, you ready for this? Is it disrespectful to place one's parents on hold? Your mother's talking to you, and all of a sudden you have a beep. are like, Ma, hold on a minute. whoo hoo, 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 Oh, baby, you have no idea what that is. But I'm not going to answer the question. We're going to read it next week. But that's the question that we're asking. In other words, you're on the phone with your parents, and your banker or someone from your office calls, and you're like, Ma, hold on one second. You put her on hold. Forget about it. Ignore, you're not gonna push ignore. But like, hold on, Ma, I'll be with you in a minute. Are you allowed to do that? Or is that totally against give it over aim, I have the answer here, but you don't, and Mr. Shem will talk about it next week. Call you, you don't call. What? You. No, I don't know, I don't know if that's as bad because you need to pick up. Okay. I don't know if that's as bad, but once you're talking to them, them it's, the dis- it's disrespectful to put them on hold. If you don't answer, you didn't do anything out of disrespectful, they don't know you didn't answer. Maybe you're if they know that you're expected to be telling them. No, okay. They if see those. Call see me at eight and they call you at eight and you don't answer, that no, might be a problem. You're a you're phone. Phone. You're holding you hold on the phone. phone. You're texting everybody. When they text you, for some reason they'll tell you'll text uh, back by the way. It's not the same you know as what do I mean? you mean but it's not the you same. With them you're I have a something very important. I think they would want you to take care doesn't matter what they want. It's not what I want it's like God. You're, if you're wrong, you're wrong. It does not matter what they want. Trust me, don't do it. I mean, I'll read it next week, but trust me. Anyway, this is what the book's is all it about. <laughs> it's, 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 cool. choo, it's like a new, it's like a wow. I'll tell you something very interesting with Rabbi Gamliel. So, so um, many times, people have a baby boy, and they want to name the baby boy, but their father died when he was very young. So, they want, add, they want to add a name, right? Or well, the father was very sick, they want to add a name. Rabbi Gamliel always says you don't have to. Why? Because when you name, you name a child after your father, or after your mother, if they're not alive that level of kibbutz of aim will protect the child. You don't have to worry about it. Even if, the, even if the father died when he was 30, right? doesn't make a difference. He said you have nothing to worry about because if you give your father's name or your mother's name to a child, that's the biggest kibbutz of aim. And that kibbutz of aim is going to protect you. Or let grandfather? Uh-uh. Well. Make your father happy. Right. And then you have nothing to worry about. And let's say if the parent is still alive, you want to give your... Like people in the Holocaust that die, people don't like to give after the Holocaust? What? The yeah, what? The what? They don't know when they're alive. Actually. We don't name them no. no I but it's know. funny because I'll tell you a story about today something. So okay, I'll tell you. And then I'll read you an unbelievable story. An unbelievable crazy story. So the lesson I'm about to say, I'm gonna talk a little bit about myself. Um, and I'm giving most of it to myself, but I'm doing it in public. So Sunday I get a phone call from a girl that I took care of her for years, years, financially, emotionally. She went through divorce. I was there for the divorce. I went to Beth's in I, I supported her. She has a son. I helped with it, whatever it is. But I dropped the ball. The last two years, I had not much to do with her. I really started her before my ranch, before my high school, before I was very busy. So I had more time to give people. And... I helped her for 10 years, eight, whatever, long time. And after a while, I got busy with a lot of other stuff. I thought she was on her own, not in such a bad place. Um, she reached out a couple of times. I was away. I could Anyway, I dropped the boy. I didn't have much to do with the last two years. Got a phone call on Sunday. Hi, this is so-and-so. I'm like, oh, what's going on? She's like, I want to meet you tomorrow morning at 8.30. Now I knew from her voice she was not. This is not going to be like you're amazing and thank you for helping me. I'm going to get whacked, right? But okay, I'm not going to tell her no. I said okay, no problem. So she comes to my house, and oh my goodness, do I get it? Like I want you to know, I hate you. I'll never forgive you. You, you, you were the only person in my life that I trusted. You dropped me. I was like, I never got it over the head like that. I, mean, I knew I was going to get it, right? And I, and, I, and I said to her, I said, listen, I, I said, I did so much for you. You can't hate me. I understand if I disappointed you. I let you down. But, because she kept saying, I really appreciate what you did for me, but I hate you, what, that you dropped me. So I was like, no, you can't appreciate what, I, what you did. For, if you appreciate what I did for you, I'm talking not one year, two years, three years, four years. I'm talking a long time, Right? My weakness is that I want to help everyone. So I think when I, when I tell someone, I'll be, I'll be like your father, I'll take care of you. In my head, I'll take care of you. But you can't take care of that. You can't, right? So you shouldn't. Pr- like she said, you don't understand your words. You told me you're going to always be there for me. And those words came out of your mouth. And therefore, you, you, you didn't keep your word. So, and, and I, 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 don't, I came here because I need to tell you how much I hate you. And, and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I, I'm like I, I can't tell you how to feel about me. Right. All I can tell you is that I'm sorry. It definitely wasn't intentional. Um, I was there for a long time, and yes, I, I at that time I didn't have all the stuff that I have today, and I got busy with a lot of other stuff. So I, I don't do that anymore. But I apologized. I said I'm sorry. She said I want to hear you're sorry. When someone's angry, they don't want you to say you're sorry. They're not interested in you're sorry. And I hate your guts. And pretty much that's what I got. And um, walked out. So I was like very. I took it very hard and I was very hurt but I understood her and I said I, I understand you and I'm not judging you and you're right I'm sorry, what should I tell you I, I can't change the past, I can change the future I'm here for you, I don't want your pity I get the whole thing, don't give me no pity I, whatever. whatever whatever means a lot of other things were said that were very hurtful but okay, that's part of you know the chasam Sefer." Was in a shul once, and and some guy got up in shul and ripped them. Some chasif ripped away, called them every name in the book. So the walked over to me, says, "I don't understand, why are you saying these things about me? I never did you a favor." It's a true story, right? Like, I never did anything good. To you. Like what? Anyway, so you can imagine that that you know you're trying to help Klai Yisrael and you're trying to make everyone happy. And then someone says, "I hate you so much that every fiber of my body hates you," and you're right, and you're sitting there and you're like, "And I did so much, but I, I, you hate me." Okay, I, what should I do? You, I can't. I can apologize. I can help you in the future, but okay, I'm not, I, I'll never forgive you. So I was very broken because I don't want anyone to hate me. And and she's right. She's right. I dropped. I didn't drop her, but I dropped her. like you didn't call me for of How am I? You didn't show any interest in the last two years, and she's right. I, I got very busy with other stuff, and yeah, you, you shouldn't promise people things if you can't keep them, even though you want to keep them, but I, say, I didn't promise you something when I said it. I am I thought in my head, you're saying it, but you're not going to do it. I thought I'm going to do it, but I got busy with a lot of other stuff, and she's 100% right. You shouldn't hate me. You should, you should. I let you down, but you shouldn't hate me because you can't hate someone that, someone did, that did a lot of good for you. You, you don't hate them, you're disappointed in them and disappointed in rabbis and disappointed in everything whatever okay. so I was not in a good place because you're like, okay, you know what I don't need this well, I don't well, need people to hate me? I just could, just to go to work I'll go to work and I'll give my speeches when two, no one's gonna well people will hate me for that also but whatever I'll give my speeches what you don't show up or well, no whatever you say it's gonna, they're gonna it's, it, people who hate they're gonna hate you they're gonna hate you but 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 you know what I need this for? Anyway, I was very down, So, which, which any one of you would be down if someone walked in the morning and told you that I'll, every fiber of my body hates your guts. So I was pretty much done for that day. But Hashem works in mysterious ways. So yeah, so the, the sultan wants to break you because, because most of the time you do good for people and they don't like you. So you're like, what do I need this for? And you leave it. You, you're done. I mean, I'm not Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu did everything for Christ. Well, they hated him. You took us out to die. You took us out to die in the midbar. No water, no bread, no food. They never said thank you to him. You, you stole all our money by the Mishkan. We want to see the inventory. Kairach, you stole the, the kahuna because he's your brother. And they saw him come down from Shemayim. They couldn't look at his face because his face was all lit up. He had to put on a mask. They saw him talking to Hashem in the Omoy, They saw Kriyat Yamsu. They saw the Marcus, They saw everything. And they're saying to him, you took us out to die. You're a murderer. You're a killer. You abuse women. They said, the ma'ajur says, they just take their wives and put them inside the house. When he walked by, they said, ooh, he's he looks at all the women. Moshe Okay? So I'm not Moshe Benu, So he was on a much higher level than me. And success breeds contempt. Nobody hates number two. Nobody hates Pence, vice president. He's number two. Who cares about him? Trump? Everybody hates him. Number one, right? So, it's just part of it. But when you're, when you're working for the tzibur, right? And that's why there's a famous rub that said, What does it say? Because nobody else will. Okay. Anyway, I get a phone call. At, so that happened at 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning. At 1 o'clock, I get a phone call. Hi Rabbi Wallerstein. Oh girl. Hi Rabbi Wallerstein. My name, I'm gonna make up a name. My name is So and so Friedman. Do you remember my brother? He was in your class twenty-five years ago. I'm like, do I remember your brother? Your brother was my gentle giant. Now at that time, twenty-five years ago, there was no Ornava, there was no girls. I just taught my boys. So it was I was totally focused on my boy. This this boy lost his mother. He didn't have a mother I don't know where his father was. I, I took care of him. He was my 8th grader and then I paid for him. I sent him to different yeshivas to get kicked out of every yeshiva. Um, and I sent him to all these different yeshivas to get kicked out of every yeshiva. But I paid it. all these yeshivas. I paid his tuition. And he, he, was just a, he was just a big guy. But such a soft guy. Okay, anyway. Um... <laughs> I didn't see him for I didn't see him for a long time. I came to a wedding. I'm going to show you a crazy picture tonight. I borrowed my my secretary's iPhone like, to show you this picture. Um, so I thought she's going to tell me. So she goes, "Do you, do you, have you been in contact with my brother at all?" I'm like, "No." And then I'm ready for like, "Well, I have some bad news for you. He's you know, we're sitting shit. I lost a few of my me that I lost this year. Cancer." And, and drugs or whatever it is. So, so I, I've gone to a couple of shivers of my students. I'm teaching 40 years ago. So these guys are like 55, 50s, 50, whatever. So she's saying, well, um, I want to tell you something about my brother. And I'm ready to hear that he committed suicide. He OD'd, whatever it is. Because when I met him, I met him after he left my class. He was 13. I sent him to Rochester. I sent him here. Wherever I sent him, he got thrown out. Um, and then I didn't see him until he was about 22. And I went to his sister's wedding. He had a sister in and Yeshiva also, and I went to the wedding. And there was this tall guy, with a Hell's Angel uh, black uh, leather jacket, with a long beard, with a rubber band in it, with long uh, long ponytail with a rubber band braided with a rubber band in it, tattoos all over his face, all over his hand, like Hell's Angel. He's a Hell's Angel. He's a, he's a, he's a biker, right? The chain to the wallet, the whole look, the boot, the whole look, right? i like, we'll call him Ellie. It's not his name. We'll call him Ellie. I'm like, what's going on, Ellie? How are you? He says, hey, Rebbe, how are you? I'm, like, I'm good. What's going on? He said, I want to show you something. He takes off his jacket. And it's a true story. And he puts out his left hand. And there's no tattoos. He said, Every part of my body has a tattoo. He says, Rev, you remember Tillin? I'm like, yeah. He has his grandfather's Tulin. Yeah. He was the only kid in my class that didn't buy Tillin for because his grandfather who died left him over him. Whatever. He said, I can't imagine one day I might walk into a shul and it just wouldn't be respect to God to put Tillin on a hand that's full of tattoos. So my whole body's covered, his whole body. I didn't see one part of his body that didn't have a tattoo. Mm-hmm. He says, but not this hand. I gave him a kiss. I was like, "Wow, it's amazing!" Right? And I'm thinking to myself. He's, he's laying in a tattoo parlor, right? The girls, you know, the bikers, the girls, the guys, you know, they're probably drinking, smoking up, whatever it is. They're all tattooed. They're all they're all bikers, right? He's laying on the table. The guy's tattooing his legs, his arms, his chest, his neck, everything. And he's like, "Hey, man, don't tattoo my left hand." He's in like the worst. Lowest place on earth. I don't mean a tattoo of a rose. I mean tattoo some stuff you can't it's porn to watch, okay? I mean like stuff, like he was tattooed with stuff, right? And he's in the lowest place in the world, surrounded by the lowest. And he's like, you don't touch my hand, I Why like, why was he thinking of filling at that point? Like, who cares about filling? You're a biker, right? Something, so she says to me, and I'm scared he's dead, right? Because that's why she's calling me, I'm having a bad day, right? This day started with, I hate you, and the next thing's like, yeah, he's dead, like he fell off a bike somewhere, and she's like, I wanted to tell you that my brother got married about a year and a half ago, and this morning, he made a bris for his son. I'm thinking he probably married a biker or some guy, I don't know, whatever. I'm like, like is he married to a Jew? She says, to a Jew, she's Lubavitch and she wears a shetel. <laughs> I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, he became from, and he's married to a Lubavitcher girl, and they're Shema Shabbos, and they start a community, he's part of Lubavitch, and they're starting a community in Florida, think she told me where, whatever it is, and like, yeah, Shema Shabbos, and, and he just made a bris for his little baby boy, his first child. She says, but that's not all, Rabbi Wallerstein. I want you to know he never, ever forgot you. And he never forgot that his Rebbe was there for him. He, had, he didn't have a mother, and he, I don't know what the father, what the situation was, and that you always took care of him. He got thrown out of school, you put him in another school, you took him in another school. She said, so he named the baby Zechariah. Zechariah Shia. Yeshaya. She said, but... I know you're alive and we don't cheat their Ashkenaz so we're saying that we named him Zechariah because he just loves that name <laughs> but Rabbi Wallstein he named him after you because you're the one constant in his life 25 years ago what did I do for him I just loved him but whatever he was, first of all he was my big blocker in football he was a big guy so he saved me many times from getting tackled but, but he was just my guy so, I want to show you guys the picture that his sister sent me. Everyone has to see this picture. I, I, maybe you can zoom in on the camera. He's holding the baby after the bris in his left hand. Nothing. No tattoos, nothing. His baby boy, he's holding in that hand. But he said, in the worst time of his life, you're not putting a tattoo on that hand, because that's my twilling hand. And I was like I pulled the car over I started crying I'm like Hashem you don't had The worst morning of my life No one ever told me They hated me No girl ever said I hate you Every fiber of my body Hates you I'm never going to forgive you I'm like and, and you saw me suffering And you saw me questioning And you sent me This phone call From 25 years ago From a sister On the same day I'm like I love you i like Hashem you really You, 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 you love me I'm Like Like like, you could have waited a day or two. I could have suffered a little bit. What, what was I? I'm not right for what I did with her. I'm not saying that I'm right. But you've got to do your best. And, and yeah, and you've got to learn. And whoever's watching and whoever's in Kirov, whoever wants to be good to people, if you say something, you, you just can't let them down. You just, just don't say it. Just say, I'll do what I can for you. Don't say, I'll be your father. I'll take you to the finish line. I'll always be... What I told her is I'll always be there for you. And I wasn't. I wasn't there the last two years. I thought... She was okay and she wasn't okay. And she said, you never called me. I said, why don't you call me? Why don't you call me if you're going through stuff? She goes, I'm not a beggar. I'm not calling you. I don't want pity. She's a, she's a strong girl. Like, I don't want your pity, Rabbi. You told me you're going to be there for me. I'm not calling you. So the reason I'm telling you this story is people that are in Chinuch and people that are out there and I'm, I'm not scared to, to say that I'm wrong. And I was very wrong and there's someone out there that's very hurt. And I, I sent her some texts, you know, that I'm sorry and, and I understand that I can't talk to you while you're in your pain and I hope that one day you'll remember the good I did instead of remembering the bad I did. And I hope she'll forgive me. I don't know if she will, but I hope that she'll forgive me. But Bobby said happened that day. So I want to show you. I wanna show you my boy with a little baby. I have to thank my secretary for giving me her phone. Check this out, guys. You have to see this. I called him tonight before I came. I said I wanna I'm gonna talk to you tonight. I'm gonna talk about you by my share. He's such a He's like, he's like, Rebbe. He still has a very long, uh, he has that long thing from a uh, hell. Oh, yeah, he still has that. But um, he says, he said, Rebbe, um, I want to tell you that, you know, I went from yeshiva to yeshiva. I got thrown out. But when I was in yeshiva, I learned a little bit. He says, in my new community in chabad, I'm, be- I know the most tyro of anyone that's there. <laughs> I said, I only taught you with tears. He goes, yeah, I remember, I remember. Oh God. Check this out. Can, can the camera zoom in on it? well we really shouldn't show everyone the picture because they're gonna know him. They might they might meet him one day. Boys do what you we see this coming? Check this babies. out. Look at that's his left hand that's a nothing. That's him. See he has that that's he has this thing here. I'll show you. <laughs> that's the day you got married. He has that long like They have that long thing in like a rubber band. That's his beard. That's his beard. (laughs) (laughs) Some kind of rubber band. That's what they do. But now, in his new picture... Here, that's him. So in his new picture, he still has a little... He has a little one there. But that's the baby. It's not normal. Not normal. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. So in the deepest place, a Jew is still a Jew. You're getting tattooed, freaking tattooed from your head to your toes. And you're like, don't touch my left hand. Tilling." Wow. Uh, that's my week. That's that's what... And today, today, I went to the ranch. So I'm up in the ranch a whole day with my girls, right? And they're going through a lot of stuff, these kids, right? Baruch HaShem. The horses are doing very well. The girls are a little... Shy, you know, but the horses are... Someone called me up and said... You, someone, you know, because it's called, it's called equine therapy. So someone called me up and says... Do you, do you do therapy for horses? Like you help horses that are? So I have a friend that has a horse in somewhere, and horse is not doing well. I'm like, no, no, no. We do we do therapy with horses for girls. We don't do therapy for horses. I could do open a new business, whatever it was. So, anyways, so I went to my ranch today, and it's, you know, you drive up there, and I spent six, seven hours there, and it's a lot of pain going through with the girls. I talk to them, whatever, one on one, whatever, and um, I drive back straight from the York, to a wedding one of the girls what's the story with this girl tonight's wedding That Tonight I was a witness because I, I don't want brachas by wedding I always say I want to say want to be a witness because the witness says mikudesh that's after he puts the ring on so you're saying to the girl you're holy mikudesh means you're holy I say I want to be there when I can say to you that you're holy so I, I always say witness I'm not interested in getting brachas I always want to be a witness anyway this girl is from a Catholic family total Christian family total Christian South America um, and tonight was her wedding to a Jewish guy, who who did a chesed that when she came to America, right? So they needed someone to pick her up. She 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 wasn't a gary yet. She came to my seminary to learn as a guy before she got her gayer. So she came to the seminary as a guy. But she she has a crazy story. She found Yeshiva on her own. There's nobody where she comes from. There's nobody in the whole country that's a Jew. They're all Spanish, and it's all totally Christian, Christian, Catholic Christian. Right? She found Yiddish guy. I don't know where it came from. I don't know where her neshama comes from. Maybe she's a Mar- she She's like she's like the most sneezed girl. It's like Russ. It's like, Hi, Rabbi Wallerstein, She you want to go like, 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 it's a take stuff. It's a guy. She came to seminary as a guy. This guy we sent when she came from her other country, I don't want to say which country because then you'll, you know, I want to protect her identity. He we he did a favor because we had no one to pick her up from the airport. He went to pick her up from the airport, and he started talking to her. She was a guy then. Could, right? That's who she married tonight. The guy who picked her up from the airport. Guys, maybe it's an idea. Maybe it's an idea. It's an idea. Go to the airport, right? I don't know. Okay, he's too busy. He's too busy loan trucking. forget about. It. He can't anyway. Anyway, so he'll be like. Oh. What Kennedy 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 Laguardi LaGuard is not LaGuard is going to work right. LaGuard. Anyone who goes to Newark, eh. Ah, right, right, right. Anyway, so um, so anyway, so, so she got married tonight, and it's amazing, amazing story. So she was in our seminary, and she became a yid. She did. She's really very serious. She did her stuff wherever it is, and tonight. So I came from the I came from the I came from a place where some kids are struggling with Judaism. To a wedding of a non-Jew, who, right? So I, I, just, I was sitting there. and I'm like, Hashem, there's so much like going on. Like I, I went straight. I, I, had to make it to the chuppah. So I went straight from the straight. I didn't stop. Straight from the, from the ranch. Straight to the wedding. Wow! No, I'm just saying. You, I need a driver. Yes. Yeah, we have it available because it's yeah. it's a lot of driving. Okay, we'll have to talk. But he's gonna charge me 49 percent. on Just kidding. 49 percent just the tip. Just the tip. Just the tip is 49 cent. 49 percent. No, 49 percent on the tip. It's gonna be 49 percent. Anyway, you're not gonna live it down. Anyway, so so that was so that is just like. It's, like, it's amazing so that brings me to a, a, an unbelievable story so in Florida when I was in Florida so they have this book a Jewish book um, everywhere there's shuls and there's food and there's weddings and there's funerals it's, it's, it's not a kosher guy it's even bigger it's like a Florida it's very thick and in there there's always just one story every month there's one story so this month I, I took it because I needed to know anyway for our, our Pesach program so um, I want to read you a crazy story okay it's called My Friend Kyle Listen to the story. So this guy's writing the story. One day I was a freshman in high school. I saw a kid from my class walking home from school. His name was Kyle. It looked like he was carrying all of his books. This kid was going home from school in the middle of the semester, not the end of the right, with all his books. I thought to myself, Why would anyone bring home all his books on a Friday? He must really be a nerd. I had, a quiet, I had a quiet weekend planned, parties, football games. This guy was real cool. So I shrugged my shoulders and I went on. As I was walking, I saw a bunch of kids running towards him. They ran to him, knocking all his books out of his arms and tripping him so he landed in the dirt. His glasses went flying, and I saw them land in the grass about 10 feet from him. He looked up, and I saw this terrible sadness. They were bullies. I saw this terrible sadness in his eyes. My heart went out to him. So I jogged over to him, and he crawled around looking for his glasses, I saw him crying, so I handed him his glasses. I said, those guys are jerks. They really should get lives. He looked at me and said, hey, thanks. There was a big smile on his face. It was one of those smiles that showed real gratitude. I helped him pick up his book and asked him where he lived. As it turned out, he lived right near me. So I asked why i have never seen him before. He said he went to private school now before now, and um, now he's in public school. So I would have never hung out with a private school kid. Okay, he was like, these were public school kids. We talked all the way home, and I helped carry his books. He turned out to be a pretty cool kid. Asked me if he wanted to play football on Saturday with me and my friends. He said, yes. We hung out all weekend. The more I got to know Carl, the more I liked him. And my friends also liked him. Monday morning came, and there was Carl with a huge stack of books again. I stopped him and said, you're really going to build some serious muscles with this pile of books every day? He just laughed and handed me half the books. Okay, fine. Real nerd, right, carrying all his books. Over the next four years, Carl and I became best friends. When we were seniors, we began to think about college. Carl decided to go to Georgetown, and I decided to go to Duke. I knew that we would always be friends, that the miles would never be a problem. He was going to be a doctor, and I was going to be a business on a football scholarship. Carl was valedictorian of our class. I teased him all the time about being a nerd. He had to prepare a speech for graduation. I was so glad it wasn't me having to get up there and speak. Graduation day, I saw Kyle. He looked great. He was one of those guys that really found himself and grew into high school. He filled out. He looked good in his glasses. He looked great. Sometimes I was even jealous of him. Today was one of those days. I could see that he was nervous about his speech. So I smacked him on the back and said, hey, big guy, you'll be great. He looked at me with one of those looks, that really grateful one that he had, and smiled thanks. Okay, watch this. What's going to happen here, guys? I was blown away by this story. As he started his speech, he cleared his throat and began, Graduation is a time to thank those who helped you make it through these tough years. Your parents, your teachers, your siblings, maybe a coach, but mostly your friends. I am here to tell you all that being a friend to someone is the best gift you can give them. I'm going to tell you a story. Now the guy who's writing this story says, I just looked at my friend with disbelief as he told the story of the first day we met. Okay, so this guy who was writing the story, the first day he met Kyle with the books. So Kyle said the following. He had planned to kill himself over the weekend. He talked of how he had cleaned out his locker so his mom would not have to do it later after he died, and therefore he was carrying his stuff home. He looked hard at me and gave me a little smile while he's speaking, Kyle. He, thankfully, I was saved. My friend saved me from doing the unspeakable. I heard the gas go through the crowd as this handsome, popular boy <coughs> told us all about his weakest moment. I saw his mom and dad looking at me and smiling that same grateful smile. Not until that moment did I realize the depth of the deed that I had done. The kid was going home with his books so that when he kills himself over the weekend, his mother wouldn't have to come to school and clean out his books. And had this guy not stopped and picked up his glasses and his books, there would be no Kyle. It's a no-ridiculous story of a smile, a hello, a helping someone. You have no idea that, that one little thing, what it can do. So, I just felt like I didn't see that coming. That, uh, as everyone who's watching this, everyone thinks that you have to like do something like it. crazy. You got to open a ranch. You got to write a book. You got to have Ornava or Nava or Yitzchak, You got to be a Wallerstein, You got to be this. You gotta be, nah. All this guy did was he saw a bunch of bullies. knocking a to book. And he, all he did was pick up the books. He didn't. He didn't know. He, he saved the guy's life. He was going to die that weekend. He was committing suicide that weekend. He just picked up his books. You, you think you have to do something like amazing? No, you just have to say hello. How are you? A smile. A hug. If it's another guy, not a girl. Hello? Right. Right. No. Can you tell? Oh, hug, Reverend. You told me to hug. Right. No, I'm talking <laughs> about. You, it. you know. Let <laughs> it's, it's, no, but seriously, it's like, you know, you slap a guy in the back, you're like, how you doing today? You don't know what that kid has planned for that night, for that day. You don't know where he's coming from. It's like never ridiculous thing. This guy got up at graduation, he's like, I, I was taking my books home because I was going to die. And this guy sitting here saved my life. And he's valedictorian. He saved my life. So he's Put me on the to right go outside. path. What? Why? Because he wasn't valedictorian? Because he, was, he didn't want to be valedictorian. So, it's just, it's just, a, it's an amazing story, and it's a very big lesson. A hello, and a smile, and picking up something when someone drops it, or whatever it is, you can mama save someone's life. And, 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 and I never dreamt that, I never dreamt in my wildest, craziest dreams, that 25 years after I had this 8th grader who was very challenged and went through a very hard life, that he would name his first boy, Zechariah, Get out. What did I do? I didn't do anything for him. This is my class. He's an eighth grader. What did I do, right? You, you just don't know. And on the other hand, look what happened with this girl. So you have to be very careful. And the reason I'm telling you this story, you know, is that you have to just be very careful what comes out of your mouth and what you promise people. And on the other hand, that, you, that just being nice to people, you know, can change your life. So I spoke to him tonight. I called him tonight before my speech. And he's like, he's like, he's like, Rebby, you, you don't, you don't even understand. I'm like, I, I'm apologizing that I sent you to your first yeshiva with such a mistake. I sent him. He, he didn't last like two weeks, whatever it was. I'm like, apologize. He goes, No, I learned there a little bit. Then the next place I got thrown out. I learned a little bit. He says, in chabad right now, where I am right now, I'm like, I'm like the, I'm like the, the rope that, they, that that everyone wants to be like. And you saw the picture. His wife has a sheitel. She's a shaitl. I told this over by the wedding to the other witness that was with me, a Hasidic And I said to him, you cannot destroy a Jewish Hashem. You can't. You can put him on a bed, you can tattoo him from head to toe, and he's thinking about... And what he said to me tonight is, I thought he was going to say, how could you put tefillin on a hand with tattoos? He said, no, how could I embarrass Hashem? That's what he said to me. How could I embarrass... He said, I'm going to come to shul. How could I embarrass Hashem? And roll up my sleeve and then put his children on my it's even a deeper thought and now he's building this Chabad it's in a very like a very small town and right now it's in the in the Lubavitcher house and they want to build a a Chabad center and he's part of that center from 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 hell Mamish, hell hell's angels hell to heaven you saw the picture you saw the hand nothing on it it's clean it's holding the, the baby. It's holding the baby. I wanted to see the other So the holy, right? You could see, whatever. It's not important. You could see that the, on, on his neck. You could see this ink. That's not. That's not the point. The point is the hand that doesn't have the ink. I had this guy that once. Came, I had this guy that once came to Rina. My boy. He should come here and talk to you guys. Also, crazy story. With tattoos and um, and I haven't told that story in a long time. Should I tell that story? Yeah. yeah. Yeah? I should share that story? Okay. He can come here and speak to you, this guy. Okay, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you another story. We didn't get into Pesach. I wanted to stop Pesach. We'll stop Pesach. We'll start next week. So I, have, I, had, I had this student, and, um, and he didn't make it to my class. He got thrown out of school in 7th grade. I was the 8th grade Rebbe. Um, pretty wild guy, whatever it was. And I didn't see him. I, I, he, wasn't, he was never in my class, but his brother was in my class. And I'm still very close to his brother. His brother also became... Shabbos. Anyway, so um, a few years after after the brother graduated, he graduated, so his brother got married. Now, the way it works, the, the non-religious kids that I was the rabbi of, so, so when they had a bar mitzvah, they had these dancers, girl dancers, they would hire dancers, right? And by a wedding, they would hire these dancers and, and DJs, and I could not be there, right? No way. So what they do is they give the rabbi, the, the religious people, they give them what's called a Havanagila dance. One dance, they put a mechitza up. Right, the band knows how to play one Jewish song, Hava Nagila. Right? That's the only Jewish song they know. And you, you dance, and then, and then out. And right, see you, right? Kish, goodbye. And then the band starts playing, the girls start dancing, and have a good day. So it's called the Hava Nagila dance. You get, you get five minutes. Anyway, I come to this wedding. And this boy, who had a crazy hard life, or whatever, he got thrown out of yeshiva in seventh grade, now yeshiva. And he hates the yeshiva because they threw him out, and he ended up in public school or whatever. Um and he is sitting across from me at the table before any of the dancing mm-hmm. and I'm like the rabbi. I had nothing to do with him because he was never in my class. He was but I was part of that yeshiva, so like he hated me, he hated everybody. So he, he had become a Buddhist and he was going out with a girl. I'm not gonna describe her, but she was a Buddhist and he was he went he went there, over there to the Buddha, he, and he, he had tattoos on both arms, huge tattoos of Buddha, the actual Avodhisara, Buddha with the snake around him, the whole works. Big, big tattoos. And um, he was sitting there, and he saw me there, so he, the girl was sitting on his lap in front of me, right? And they were, uh, in fr- like, and I wasn't giving in. I wasn't like going to get up and walk away. Like you think that you're gonna bother me? I was I wasn't there for him. I was there for his brother, right? You're not getting to me. Like, don't play with me. That, that's you want to do whatever you want. You're not, you're not, you're not getting to me. Whatever. Anyway, but I got angry. I don't like when you do that, right? You want to play with me? I'm gonna play. You know, so so they started having a an guillotine, and and his brother came in with a kala, and they have a gila there, So I walked over to him. Uh, I'll, make I'll make up his I'll make up an name, mayor. I said, mayor. His name ain't mayor, that's for sure. I said, I said, mayor. You want, to come do, you want to come dance with the Rebbe? So he, she's sitting on his lap, right? This girl. And he says to her, "Yeah, hey, you mind if I dance? Like making fun of me. Like, you mind if I dance with the rabbi? She's like, Go ahead, right? Go dance with the rabbi. Biggest mistake she ever made in her life. So he gets up, right? He do not like me. He gets up. His brother and me, are, we're dancing, right? The three of us, just the three of us. And I give him this. Big no, we're we're like on like this, shoulders, like all three of us. I give him this big fat wet kiss on his right cheek. And I'm like, Chaim. Not Ellie, but Chaim, that's real, that's his real name anyway. Chaim. I didn't call him Chaim at that point, but I said, Chaim. You could you could do whatever you want with this girl and you could try whatever you want. I still love you. And then I gave him a kiss on his other cheek. I said, but I want you to know something. You're going to hell. That's what I told him. I love you, but you're going to hell. Because what he was doing. Tattooed to the moon. And he was like, what? I'm like, you heard me. I love you. You're going to hell. I was, I was very young. I was very young then. I was fire. I was very different. Today, I don't say what I really think. Right? In those days, I say what I really think. So that's what I said. Okay. He says, Why? It's because you're serving a Vajazzara. It's not, it's not, it's not Islam. You're serving a, a Buddha. You're serving uh, an idol, a Vajazzara. So you're serving a Vajazzara. He says, you don't know anything about it. I'm like, no, I didn't really study, study it. I know a little bit about it. Like, and I made fun of it, which again, I'm very angry. I'm like, the guy couldn't, the guy's a little fat guy. He couldn't lose weight all these years. How could he be God? So that was like, I'm <sighs> like talking about his Buddha. Like, <laughs> was like, it was like, like the worst thing you could have said, right? Whatever he says, Yeah, you're just scared. You don't, you don't know anything about it because you're scared, because you, you don't have the right religion, whatever. He, he was, he was trash talking me. I said, Yeah, why don't you come to Kabura next week? This is going way back when I first started Khabura. Why don't you come to Khabura next week and why don't you discuss it with them? Why don't you present it to the class? We don't know anything about Buddhism. You come present, present it to the class. He goes, Yeah, you wouldn't let me say anything. I'm like, Sure, we're, we, we, know we know what Judaism is. You like Buddhism, we like Judaism. So you know what? We'll do the ism thing. We'll talk about our You'll talk about your ism, right? And we'll see what happens. He says, yeah, you let me speak? I'm like, yeah. Tells his girlfriend, hey, I'm going to his class next week. I'm going to, I'm going to get all his class to become part of our, our whatever, temple, whatever. Okay. Comes to, the, comes to the Chaburah the following week. We were only eight or ten guys at that time, Whatever. And he gets up, I'm like, okay, talk about it. He talks about the, the we and the our and the bear and the energy and the power and the Buddha and the muda. All this stuff, I let him talk. I'm, and then I took it apart and made fun of him. I made fun of the whole thing, whatever it was. Anyway, he got pretty angry at me. But I said, you know what? That's not fair. You come back next week and we'll have a real discussion. I'm sorry that I made fun of what, you know whatever it is. Came back the following me. To make a long story short, he started coming to Chabura. Once he started coming to Chabura, I said, listen, I said you never learned any Torah because he got thrown out in 7th grade and that was it I said you're born a Jew go learn about Judaism and if you don't like what you see and you want to go to Bo- you want to become a Buddhist but how could you become a Buddhist before you first learn about where you come from he, so he said not a wife wasn't married to this girl no his girlfriend I said he said, yeah, where should I go? I'm like, go to Israel. I'm going for Yom Kippur. And go to Esh HaTorah. And they'll answer all your questions. And if you still feel, because I knew they have a big kayach. If you still feel after that, you want to be a Buddhist. Okay, what do you have to lose? I said, what do you have to lose? If you think that Buddhism is right and Judaism isn't, so then you'll know that. You'll ask questions. You won't get answers. Fine. Okay, I'm coming with you for Yom Kippur. So, he comes with me to He didn't even have a white, he didn't have a shirt, nothing, Whatever. And he goes to Isha Torah and he hates it because he's very spiritual and very emotional, and Eishat Torah is very logical. He don't like logical because he's not, That's where he comes from. It's the energy and the, the we in the room and the the, the 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 energy of all the people together and like a so little like a little this, right? And and la but whatever. And and, and Isha Torah is, is is brainiacs. So he was very like. I said, okay, you know what? You want that? You want that? Go to Lubavitch. You want warmth in the whole thing? Okay. He's going to try Lubavitch. You went to Lubavitch? Forget about it. He fell in love. He's Lubavitch. He's in, right? She's gone. He's in. He's in for two years in Eretz Yisrael. But he's, he's tattooed from head to toe. And he wears sweaters in the summer. He didn't want the guys to see. Because Lubavitch has like Big Buddha, that's like I believe Zero, like, like if you drop a quarter, you can't bend down in front of him. Like you're bound down to avoid <laughs> zero, you know what I'm saying? 49%. Anyway. So so So, so he covered up. He covered up. I mean guys, I'm sure so because he was really like. But he covered up. And 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 to make a long story short, it's, a, it's an unbelievable story. So to make a long story short, he um he calls me up one day, he says, I'm coming back to America, which I didn't want because I knew the girls here. She's going to come back after him, right? The Sultan doesn't let you go. He'll grab you back. He had you. He wants you back. I didn't want to come back to America. I said, why are you coming back to America? He goes, I think I'm ready to get married. There's no girl in Israel that's going to marry me. The minute they find out I have these tattoos, they're going to be gone. But in America, you have chuvas You know, people have balichuvas that have tattoos also. So if I marry, I find a girl that has a tattoo. She'll, she'll, she won't mind that I have tattoos. And if we get married, we'll have babies that are born with tattoos. Okay, whatever. Anyway. So... I said, listen, I said, listen. Let me talk to you ashiva. Anyway, I spoke to Yosheshiva. I said, listen, he's come back to America. I'm gonna lose him. I need you to keep him there, whatever it is. Find him a shirk. So we made up three months. In three months, if he doesn't go out, he doesn't find anyone to go out with, he doesn't have a he should come to America. Anyway, they set him up with a girl, a Lababacher girl from Kfar Chabad. Okay? And a solid, no tattoo, from, you know. I don't know how they made the shidduch, but he's in a L'Babji Yeshiva. So they made the shidduch, he's going out with this girl. And he goes out with this girl, and he's crazy about her. And he goes out five times, but he, you know, he's closed till here, and he's close till here, and she has no idea. And he calls me up and he says, Rebbe, what am I going to do? I know she's going to run. She's going to run. I mean, I don't just have a tattoo of a heart or an arrow. I have tattoos of Avaj Zara, big ones, right? Like, real Avay Jazara with the snake with the Buddha with the whole business I said listen you can't you got to tell her I mean it's not something you can hide she's going to see you right the night you're married she's going to be like what, what's that Like, what's going on like what's going on over here you can't do that no you can't do that you have to tell her I said so, so the next date tell her if she runs she runs it's not by share you got to tell her okay <coughs> he calls me up after the sixth date and he's like so excited I said what happened tell me what happened he says, I couldn't tell her, I couldn't tell her, I couldn't tell her. And then when I dropped her off in Chabad, so we're in the car, and I'm like, I need to tell you something. Now this girl's a Baba Chassidish, so you don't go out 12 times, right? So she's thinking, he's going to ask her to marry him, right? He says, I need to tell you something. So she's sitting there thinking, oh, really? What do you want to tell me? He says, I, I just have to say before that, that, that if, if, if you say no right? It's okay. So she's surely now that he's going to ask her to marry her, right? And he says, i got to show you something. And she's thinking, ringy. Ringy, neck, bracelet, something, right? Like, that's it. This is it. It's happening, right? And he pulls up his sweater that he was wearing and he's got the tattoo. And she looks at her for a second. She sees it and he says what are you thinking because I got another one <laughs> and he pulls up the other sleeve he's got some on his body too but he didn't get undressed no I'll never forget this because this is so much the same story as that with who, this boy that, that that had the baby t- today yesterday and she says to him something amazing she goes I don't have no problem you want to marry me she says to him, You want to marry me? Is this what this is about? He says, Yeah, I would love to marry you. She goes, So then why did you propose? He goes, You don't have a problem? I have two Buddhas on my arms? She goes. His name is Chaim, by the way. She says, Chaim. I don't see those tattoos. I see the tattoo in your heart. Tattoo in your heart is Yudhe Vavhei." Hashem's name, you are so special. So he goes, so is that a yes? <laughs> she goes, yeah, that's a yes. He has three, ki- three chasidish kids. He lives in B'nei Brach. He would come talk to, if he comes to America, I'd have him come talk to you. So the reason I'm telling you this is because, so he came to talk in Ornava. It's called, from Buddhism to, to Judaism, from tattoos to trillin. That's, that's the name of his so he got up and he spoke, and you know, they're girls, and he's saying how the girls said, I see the tattoo on your heart, not on your body, and they're all crying, because you know, they're girls, or whatever, all the emotions are crying, whatever. And he finishes his speech, and all the girls come running to the front, and they're like, can we see your tattoos? I'm like, oh my God, that's what they got from the whole speech? I just want to see it, it's so cool. I'm like, no. So, when you said that, I want to see the other tattoos. And "Oh, I'm saying. That reminds me of that story. Mika Both All these stories. Mika Mika Amchisro. That a girl should be able to say that. That I don't see the tattoos on your body, I see the tattoos on your soul. And it's Hashem's name. It's like, like no matter how far we are, no matter how far we are, we're so close. We're so close. And that's tonight's share. Tonight's share is also be careful what you promise. When you promise someone something. And even if you mean it, you got to keep it because because sometimes you're the only person in their life that they trust, and if you let them down, then it's just a, a trauma and a, and, a, and a casualty. And So, yeah, it was a very interesting day one day, and um, I hope that girl will forgive me one day. Maybe she'll listen to the share, I doubt it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we just have to be careful what we say. But Mikam Khishro, yeah, you know, these stories of Mikam Khishro. And uh, we're going into Pesach. And we're going to talk about Pesach and next week. And Pesach is a time of miracles. And Pesach is a time of being on the 49th level of Tumah. And Hashem said, we didn't deserve to come out of Mitzrayim. We were on the lowest level. Why did he take us out of Mitzrayim? Because there was a moment there that he saw the tattoo on our souls. That even though we were the 49th level of Tummah, he said, We said, God, we will follow you into the desert. As messed up as we are, we still are not on the 50th level. So my boy was on the 49th level. He's laying on a bed. They're tattooing him from head to toe. But he wasn't on the 50th level. Because he left his hand untouched. And being that he wasn't on the 50th level, he turned around, and now he's on the 50th level of Kedusha. May we all be zeichet to see each other on that 50th level of Kedusha. See you next week, Bezrat Hashem. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.